Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're looking ahead to all the action in week eight in college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Kyle, we're we're a day behind. Let's just pull that band-aid off. Wednesday <laughs> night recording didn't happen. Here we are Thursday morning. Getting the podcast in before another week of action gets going in college baseball. Better late than never, you know, that's what I always say. Yeah, you and others. Uh, but uh, <laughs> here we are. We're we're getting the job done. Uh, we're, we're doing it. And I want to start off. I'm curious about your ideal game day experience because we are in, I think, peak in-person baseball watching season. It is Absolutely. sunny outside. Get the sunblock block on, get the bucket hat, get to the ballpark and buy yourself a what? What where what ballpark are you at that has the best stadium food and what are you getting? Hmm. I haven't been to that many MLB ballparks. I, I'm trying to get to the point where I can check them all off, but right now I'm at nine or ten, I think. The um AT&T Park out in San Francisco has really good food it's hard to beat that i feel like hmm. like i don't know it's just not typical ballpark food i feel like they have, there was like crab crab sandwiches and stuff like that like yeah chowder really good i think chowder. it's oracle yeah. now right then someone else pay money oh. yeah no well, neither, neither of them pay us so i don't really care yeah uh that's a good point uh and the food is still the same yeah san francisco giants do have great ballpark food you have been to more red sox games than i have probably um do they have good food out there yeah i this might be like a little bit of a i don't know not a hot take but i am just a traditionalist when it comes to ballpark food like i want just like a hot dog with some ketchup on it and maybe some popcorn or some peanuts and i think really any baseball stadium can pull that off so i don't know if i'm super picky about where i get my uh my ballpark food uh oh the wife my wife does love kettle corn and not everyone does kettle corn so i think a place that's kettle corn is a plus yeah my wife does too so do i i don't know if anyone doesn't like kettle corn (laughs) i i prefer like movie theater style butter just like loaded up on butter and and unhealthiness and as long as i have like a drink or two beside me i'm good all right so where are you sitting where where are you going in the ballpark when when you take a seat behind home plate right but that Mm -hmm. costs a thousand bucks in in mlb (laughs) Uh, definitely a huge perk of college baseball. When I head over to Boston College games, they don't even sell tickets. They can just show up and sit down anywhere I want in the wow. stadium. Nice. It's pretty great. And actually, I really like Boston College. Their whole outfield is on a hill. So they have basically a giant outfield lawn that you can just throw a picnic blanket on and watch from the outfield. So that's a pretty cool experience, too. So, yeah, I know you're going this with this because I put some notes in our in our sheet. Um, I... I'm an old man with an old man back, which I think you also are. So I can't sit on the lawn for mo- for a couple hours at a time. I have to like be able to get up and move around or sit with some back support. Uh, I can't do that. I I need old man back says support. get off lawn. <laughs> get, I mean, other people can. I just I don't know. So this came up because uh, I was looking at I was watching the Florida Florida State game on Tuesday night, I think, and. I was watching it's mostly lawn it seems like like from from the dirt all the way to the outfield like hooking on both sides of the foul pole on the first and third base side is lawn and I just it's I mean I, I guess you can fit more people in that way that's like that's the 
the benefit there, right? But I can't do it. See, that's the the advantage of college baseball is like a decent fraction of your audience is between 18 and 22 and has yet to have a catastrophic hip or back injury. So they can handle <laughs> sitting on some grass. And then the people who have can afford to be able to sit on the chairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am pro-lawn. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the stance of lawns and college baseball makes stadiums look pretty and they are yeah, fun. That's for sure. It's just not me. Not for me. The I think Florida also has that those like flatter lawns in the outfield that you can put like your own lawn chairs on which i like i think that's that's a good idea i would sit out there with caglione hitting home runs out there all the time i feel like sitting out there at, at florida's ballpark is a it's a pretty sweet deal guaranteed souvenir right there yeah let's head over into our top story our top story is a little bit of a non-story i'll call it if midweek <laughs> series happen and both teams win one game does it matter uh, because we had happen. three two week two mid, two game midweek series that all end up in splits. All of them on paper, I think, were really interesting midweek series, and I think they all delivered. Uh, we had Texas State at Texas, and then vice versa. So they do uh, one in Austin, one in San Marcos. And last year, this was one of the most heated midweek series of the year. There were some yeah. like big time bombs, and uh, I was really excited to see what the 2023 iteration of it would look like. And at the end of the day, uh, each team got a win in this series. Texas winning the first one by the two Texas state winning nine to three, which net kind of hurts Texas a little bit in the RPI and benefited Texas state a little as Texas state um, is looking to boost that RPI because there are a whole bunch of Sunbelt teams that are kind of vying for maybe some of the last spots in the Sunbelt we also Both saw teams won the road series, the road game. Though, that was it's the same thing that happened last year too. So we're back to back years. Yeah. No home, home team is owned four in this midweek series in the last two years. Wow. That's crazy. We had Texas tech heading over to sunken diamond at Stanford and tech lost that first game six to four. The second game got out of hand for Stanford, Texas tech's offense too much. And tech won 11 to two. That actually was a pretty nice series win for Texas tech because uh, their RPI coming into the week was in the 80s. So their RPI has now moved up to 62 and they're looking a little bit better. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they'll really be in danger of not getting an at-large bid if they're continuing to, to win some series in the Big 12. But, you know, it never hurts to at least win one of these games on the road. Yeah, definitely. The road game, the road aspect of it helps your RPI and and... We touched on it on Monday, but their Big 12 slate looks like pretty easy for the rest of the year. So they should start racking up those Big 12 wins and they'll be fine, I think. And then the last series I want to talk about was Coastal traveling to Campbell. This is a ranked top 25 series. Pretty cool. Campbell hosting Coastal Carolina. And this is a top 25 matchup. I think that says something about the state of college baseball where mid-majors can still be successful. Coastal won the first one uh, in that. Oh, I got that one backwards. They lost the first one. Then they won the second one. The nine to four score. Campbell won that first one. Five to three the second. Uh, I think that this was a nice showcase of the depth of college baseball. Carolina's proved that they are. Are they the best baseball states? I don't know. And Campbell has 25 wins on the season. That's They're definitely on pace to surpass their 40 win mark, which is kind of the the benchmark that we've seen recently. Yeah, and that's it. 
could host there possibly if they if they keep this up. They're gonna they need some RPI help, but yeah, I'm really know, it'd be cool. excited to do our next field of sixty four projection at some point, maybe next week. We'll see if we can get around to it because I am this. I say Campbell and Coastal are two of the teams I have circled. In that first one that we had uh, for the the mid season field of sixty four, we had Coastal as hosting. I've seen some others out there with Campbell hosting. I think both of them have reasonable shots, but it's just a, a race of RPI, really. They both need to maintain at least a top 20 RPI, I think, for them to have a chance of hosting because uh, there's always going to be some competition for those last hosting spots. And I I feel like just the team in the Sun Belt has a better shot than the team in the Big South, just explicitly based on RPI. But I don't know. Yeah, we... this this... We've seen that within the past with the committee, not being too super mm-hmm. kind to the Big South. But uh, yeah. uh, we'll we'll see what comes of all of this. Hey, Kyle, let's head right into our pick'em for the week. Normally, the segment is called 10 Picks in 5 Minutes. Because you had a series tie last week, we're calling it 11 Picks in 5 and a half Minutes. But that doesn't have Ooh. the same ring to it. <laughs> so uh, we have 11 series that we are picking. I tried my best to give you six different series from six different conferences. I slipped up at the end on accident, but you have a nice variety of series to pick. I've given you those off the air. You've given me five off the air. We're going to have 30 seconds to make our picks and defend them on the air. Are you ready? Oh, boy. I guess so. I love the (laughs) lukewarm enthusiasm. (laughs) See, I... I'm hesitant because of this first one is tough, but go ahead. Let's start the clock. First up for you, Wake Forest traveling to Louisville in an ACC matchup. Yeah, this one's tough. This is a Wake team that has pretty much hands down the best pitching staff in the country, but they're always, yeah, Louisville always gets up for these big series. um, And it's at home for Louisville. And I think, Kurtz, is that his name? Is that his, yeah, am Nick, I saying that right? Nick Kurtz, Wake Forest yeah. first baseman. Nick Kurtz might be out. Ciceri might be out. Um, so if those are out, I think I'm switching my pick on here. I think I'm going Louisville at home. Oh, Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so congrats, Wake Forest, on the series win because I think <laughs> um, South Carolina at Vanderbilt for your series. This is another series that injury is impacting, so we have no halt as definitely out for the Gamecocks from their rotation. Meanwhile, Carter Holton, who's been Vanderbilt's ace, is day-to-day. Those would both be pretty big losses. I think South Carolina, I mean, both teams have pitching depth. I think South Carolina particularly has some pitching depth. Splitting hairs on this one, I think I'm going Vanderbilt at home here, and that's that's my final answer on this one. <laughs> Let's head over to the West Coast, Stanford at Oregon. I think I'm going Stanford here. Oregon doesn't have the best record at home on here. And that's, and like, they're not exactly a hot team. Stanford is. And I think this, this two game series in the midweek at tech kind of helped, helped my, like my feel for them. Like they, they just, they just seem to know how to hit and they just come off a road sweep at California, which is under 500, uh, split a two game home and home or a two game, Nope, split a four game with Oklahoma on the road. So I don't know. I think I think I'm just gonna trust Stanford's talent here. Give me Stanford. So two Cardinal-ish teams. Uh, yeah, Cardinals and Cardinal. Got, <laughs> you got Coastal at ODU. Big Sunbelt matchup. Yeah, I don't like the series. This is really tough. You just had last weekend 
uh, Southern Miss at ODU and you picked a home team and team. you got it wrong. Um, this is Coastal Carolina at ODU. I'm picking the home team and I'm getting it right. I don't, I think that this is two high flying offenses. I don't think that Coastal has the pitching depth in order to compete with ODU, unlike South, South Southern Miss, who did. So give me ODU in this one. Tennessee at Arkansas is next for you. Yeah, Tennessee is, they only have one good pitcher and it's their Sunday guy, which is crazy for uh, the expectations coming into the year. Chase Dolander and and um, Chase Burns. You, I you think they're like still they good pitchers. They just haven't performed yeah. as as we expected. <laughs> yeah, and I think Arkansas's offense is going to be too much for him, for them here in, in Fayetteville. Um, yeah, give me Arkansas at home. Wagner might be out uh, though, so we'll see how that plays out. That's, yeah, true. I think it'll be fine. Up next for you is Southern California at Oregon State. Giving the Beavs at home. I think this one, I feel pretty confident about this. Southern California has exceeded expectations. Oregon State maybe has subseeded expectations. That's Sub-seeded. probably a word. <laughs> um, and I think that might make uh, USC a trendy upset pick here, but giving the Beavs at home. Uh, let's move over to the Big Ten. Do Indiana at Illinois. Ooh, I jumped the gun. Um, I'm going Indiana on the road here. Illinois is, they're only two and four at home. They're a very different team from their early season road series win at Southern Miss and then another one at Sam Houston State. They also split at Coastal, so that's kind of interesting. Um, they, they've lost three straight series to Nebraska, Michigan, and Northwestern. Northwestern is a team that is 5-22 on the year. And they fired like six coaches like one week, <laughs> a few weeks into the season. That's, that's not it's a It's college baseball. Series. There aren't six coaches. There's like two and a half coaches. <laughs> well, okay. They, they fired a lot of coaches. <laughs> so give me give me the Hoosiers. Um, for you, did I jump the gun? No, UConn at Xavier. I like this one because this is kind of a sneaky, really good Big East matchup. Uh, I, I don't know if people have followed Xavier's trajectory on the year, but it feels like every year Xavier schedules incredibly tough on the road, and they're twenty-one and twelve, three and zero in the Big East. However, UConn, I think, win streak. yeah, but give me UConn, give me the Huskies here to take this series at Xavier. Let's go West Coast, UC Irvine at Santa Barbara. I'm going the Gauchos here. It's at home, and UC Irvine has kind of fallen off from the preseason expectations that I feel like a lot of people put on them out there in the West. UC Santa Barbara's pitching is still pretty consistent. 14 ERA, fits in the country and FIP. Both offenses are pretty typical West Coast. They small ball and don't hit a ton of home runs, but uh, I'm going the Gauchos here at home. Am I close to the buzzer? Nice. Um, you can have Notre Dame at Clemson. So this is my last one. I'm taking Clemson, the home team here. Uh, this is just kind of a numbers game. I know, I know we don't expect Notre Dame to have a high flying offense, but the, their offense is so bad. Like it is so mm-hmm. inconsistent. Meanwhile, Clemson, I think is, I'm going to say turning a corner, winning a road series at Florida state, maybe is not as impressive as we would have thought even just a few weeks ago, but they did just do that. Give me the Tigers at home. Your sixth and final series, Kyle, going back to the Pac-12, Arizona State traveling to Washington. Man, Washington is such a confusing team. 
just three weeks ago, they won a road series at UCLA, who's way more talented than them, and it was on the road. But then they lost back-to-back series to Oregon State and Arizona. Arizona, you know, they're fine. Oregon State is a is a much better team now like than they were early on in the season. But Arizona State's on the right track. I feel like they just had a huge comeback last night. That was a fun game to watch. I don't know if you watched that Grand Canyon game. Um, but I think I didn't say. Give me Arizona State. All righty. My lineup is ODU, OSU, Vandy, UConn, Clemson. Mine is Louisville, Stanford, Arkansas, Indiana, UCSB, and Arizona State for my six series. 11-0 week incoming. Ugh. Let's, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with a little bit of mail time. Mail time. There's our favorite mail sound time. again. Mail time. It means it's mail time. We have two questions coming from the Twitter universe for us. The first one is coming from Cruise Season, talking about the SEC. I have a hunch that Cruise Season might be an, an LSU fan with that, maybe with that handle. Uh, but the question that Cruise Season proposes for us is: We're nearly midway through the SEC season. Who do you think are the top three teams in the East and the top three teams in the West? And so I'm just going to read out the standings because the East, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and then Kentucky, Florida tied. The West, Arkansas, LSU, Texas A&M, a distance third. Do you need to make any changes to that that lineup or do you think that's about right? Uh, I mean, because Kentucky and Florida are tied for third, I think no. But I think I think Florida is going to gain some ground here. Kentucky's got a just a tough upcoming SEC slate. Um, I mean, they have LSU on the road this weekend, and then um, they also have to go to host A and M at Vandy, South Carolina at home. That's it's just I think it's going to be too much for them. Um, so I feel like Florida is going to jump them, and maybe South Florida could even jump South Carolina too, but. Uh, I feel like those four, three of those four teams are pretty solidly in third or like top yeah. three. It's really tough with the East because I mean, or, or, I don't know is the the top three, is this question asking us what we think the top three standings will be or who the best three teams are? Because there's mm. it's a possibility those are different. I think something that you have to look at if you're thinking about standings is uh, home and away and Florida hosts Vanderbilt and travels to South Carolina. So I that's kind of maybe a little bit of a wash when it comes to facing some of those top teams. I, I think I like at this point, oh man, I don't know. I, I like them all at this point in the season. I still feel surprised by what Vanderbilt has been able to do. Obviously if they have some pitching injuries uh, that end up cropping up, like if, if Kerr Holton is actually maybe something more seriously injured, I think that the, they might run out of, out of steam a little bit. I would say I've been a little bit of a Florida prophet and a South Carolina skeptic. And I think I need to start maybe changing my tune a little bit on South Carolina. Looking ahead in a couple of weeks when South Carolina hosts Florida, I do think South Carolina will probably win that series. So I think I'm feeling maybe I could see if I had to choose a team right now to win the East, I think it's going to be South Carolina. I think that's where I'm going. When it comes to the West, I think it's, I think we need to make some changes. I know, so right now, South Carolina, nope, that's an East team. Arkansas has a half-game lead on LSU. 
Uh, we've talked about on Monday's pod how we think LSU is probably going to rack up some wins. So I, I don't think it's too much of a hot take to say probably LSU ends up first, Arkansas ends up second in the West. Also wouldn't be super shocked though if that doesn't happen because uh, winning SEC games is kind of tough. Standings like the difference between first and second in the West, I don't think really matters all that much. I think the spot for third is a lot more challenging to figure out in the West. Yeah, that's true. Um, so AM right now is in third, host Mizzou, travel to Kentucky, travel to Arkansas, host Florida. That's tough. Bama is the other team that maybe could jump them. Um, they got LSU, Vandy, AM, and Ole Miss to finish their season. I don't know. That's, I, I, I feel better about AM than I do Alabama right now at the moment. Yeah. AM hosts and Alabama A&M. too. So that's a yeah. advantage. AM. And it feels, crazy to just be leaving out the two mississippi schools but i feel like they're they're way down there they're they're almost out of this sec race already yeah it's really interesting alabama just dropped a series to mississippi state mississippi state travel on the road and won that series mm-hmm. i wouldn't say you know all of a sudden mississippi state is in contention or anything like that because that's yeah. they still have an uphill battle to climb at three and nine but they do face off against ole miss ole miss has mississippi state other way around mississippi state has Ole Miss's number in, in that series if huge if mississippi state pulls off a series win and a sweep six and nine all of a sudden looks pretty competitive in the sec you know mm-hmm. maybe mississippi state ends up emerging as a competitor for third place i think i'm taking the aggies right now just based off of uh, I think the offensive talent underperformed and will probably regress to the mean as the season continues. I think we've kind of seen that a little bit. So with some of the offensive talent at AM already. Yeah. Um, so I'm feeling like AM ends up in third, but like at like 15 and 15 or something like that. Like not like a yeah. a world beating third place, but like a very average third place Enough. team. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Ole Miss and Mississippi State is happening this weekend and we didn't even really we didn't bring it up on the podcast. It's just the state of the SEC West right now and Alabama, yeah. Auburn, Florida, Georgia. Those are some fun series. Yeah, I love the I I, I obviously am a, a Reddit lurker. I love the post on Reddit the other day about Ole Miss losing that game to Memphis by giving up back to back to back home runs at the top of the ninth. Yikes. And the commenters basically like and it, no one really cared. <laughs> like that's kind of where <laughs> Ole Miss's season is at. Is like oh, they can no. have like a tragic midweek loss to Memphis after giving them three home runs back to back to back, and it's not like you know plastered all over social media. But I guess that's what happens when your biggest rival is also having a little bit of a down year. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that Ole Miss Memphis. Uh, they're really close. Like it's like the closest team I think to to Ole Miss just because of where they are in the state, where Memphis is in the state. So it's. It seems like a contentious little rivalry, but yeah, Ole Miss didn't even really care. I feel like. Let's go with one more from the mailbag, and this one comes to us from Jordan. Where do you rank the Sun Belt Conference as a whole? And part two of this question is how many teams do you see in the tournament coming out of the conference? So I'm going to take the easiest answer to this, and when we look at conference RPI, the Sun Belt is fifth. I feel okay with that. I don't think that... I, 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 I don't see... Sunbelt as better than SEC, ACC, Pac-12, or Big 12. I don't see them as worse than Big West, Big 10, Conference USA. I think fifth is a really good spot for the Sunbelt in terms of conference power rankings. Do you have anything different, Kyle? No, I think it's good. I think they uh, slide in there nicely, and there's kind of a gap. There's maybe a little bit of a gap. I feel like there probably will be one, two, three, 
four four teams, maybe five teams from the Sun Belt to make the tournament, which is uh, better than than like recent history. At least it's it's a a nice turnaround. I feel like I'm pulling up. Right yeah, now. I think pulling in Southern Miss and Old Dominion definitely gives them two more teams that are going to be mm-hmm. competitive. Uh, I think in our latest Field 64 projection, we had four Sun Belt teams. I think we talked about somewhere between three and five. We ended up, if memory serves me correct, which I, I think it did, we went Louisiana for our fourth team. Their RPI was in the 80s at the time. Now it's in the 60s. We also talked about Texas State and Troy, uh, who are uh, both at six and six right now in the Sun Belt. I think here's a couple of thoughts I have on this. One, Sun Belt has 14 teams now, and it's really hard for a not power conference to have 14 good teams like mm-hmm. not that like at the sec has you know one through 14 is all omaha potential because i don't think that's true in any given year i think the 14th best team in the sec is you know probably a step back but at the same time the 14th best team in the sec is probably at least competitive in, in most of these other conference like in the Sun Belt, for instance like if you drop uh ole miss right who's what and last in the west right now into the Sun Belt, i think ole miss probably is at least 500 or so. And so, mm-hmm. well, that's to say is that ELM and Arkansas State are pulling down the conference right now at 13 and 20 and 11 and 18. And that's that's an anchor for sure. That's going to make it hard for some of these teams to emerge out of the Sun Belt. The other side of that coin, though, is that you have, what, eight teams maybe in the top 100 in the RPI. So I, I think there's enough teams there that are doing really well that that also opens the door. What we need, I think, if we're going to have more than four teams from the Sun Belt emerge is several teams that end up going on runs at the end that are far away from 500. I think a six and six team, you know, like we're looking at Troy or Texas State right now is not going to get out. Like it's it's not like the ACC or the SEC where a 500 conference record is like, oh, that's pretty good. It's I think you need to be winning at least, you know, two thirds of your conference games to feel like you're going to have a shot at an outlarge bid from the Sun Belt. The last five tournaments, the Sun Belt has averaged 1.8 teams, so just under two. Last year, in 2022, they have four teams, and but in the previous years, it was one, one, two. So it's not a, it's not the most consistent at, at getting a lot of teams. So this definitely helps adding. You said Southern Miss and ODU. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And James Madison. Uh, if memory serves me right, I don't know. There's been some shuffling around. There's a lot of shuffling this offseason. I, when I think about the floor, the floor seems pretty high. Like, it's hard for me to find a way that Coastal doesn't make it. It's hard to find a way that, at this point, South Southern Miss doesn't make it. Uh, I think then one of Old Dominion, Louisiana, Troy, Texas State, one of those teams feels like almost for sure is also going to make it, if not multiple. So I'm thinking the floor is three. Yeah, Georgia Southern's in that conversation. So I I think the floor is three for the Sun Belt, which is a pretty high floor for a air quotes, mid-major team. Right. And I think that's a higher floor than the Big Ten right now. And Agreed. Probably the CUSA. Yeah. The Big Ten is a, a little bit of a mm, question mark in terms of where who's going to emerge from the pack. Yeah. If you can make it make sense, you'll win a lot of money in Vegas or something. Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. Leave a review if you haven't already. Check out our socials at College Ball and that, our website, collegebaseball.info. If you have a question for us, tag us on Twitter. We love answering questions from fans. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.